You're listening to episode 120 of the Room to Grow podcast. I'm Emily Goff, a podcasting coach, lifestyle entrepreneur, and a Canadian with a sense of curiosity and adventure, always asking more questions and using stories to connect with and positively impact others. Here on the Room to Grow podcast, we're going deep into big topics like relationships, mental health, business, confidence, lifestyle, personal development, and entrepreneurship, and being open, honest, and real about how to learn from tough lessons along the way when life throws you into the unexpected. I bring you thoughts and guests with stories that will change the way you look at the world and yourself so that we can learn from each other and grow with lots of self-love and compassion every step of the way. There's always more room to grow. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Room to Grow podcast. I am Emily and today we're going to be talking a little bit about tuning into your intuition and this enormous connection between kind of our gut instinct and like the mind-body connection. I've had so many requests for this, uh, especially after episode 117, uh, the nine-year affair about uh, the nine years of infidelity that was going on in my previous relationship. And a lot of the signs I was missing and not just missing, but full-blown ignoring that my body was screaming at me and what I have learned from that and how to sort of tap into your intuition to really pay attention to what your body is trying to tell you. Because our bodies are talking to us all the time. And I was, I was full-blown ignoring everything that my body was trying to tell me. And at the time, after I ended the relationship, I talk about this more on, on the other episode as well, but I realized with, that my, my anxiety had lifted almost overnight. It, it took me a couple of days to notice it because I was so heartbroken at the time that I, I wasn't seeing that side of it quite as much. But as soon as I started to realize it, I, it was like the fog had lifted. And I wasn't an anxious person when I got into that relationship. And to some degree, I tend to think that a lot of us just get a, a little bit more anxious with age as well. You know, there's more responsibilities, there's more things to, to be worried about, like all of those things. But it had become almost crippling in, especially in the previous few months before a relationship ended when things were getting really, um, there were some, some really weird things happening that I wasn't putting two and two together on, but overall for years, it had been getting increasingly worse and heavier and just this huge weight that felt like it was crushing me. And it got to the point, it, my anxiety tends to manifest in my stomach. So my stomach gets really tight. It feels like my stomach is in knots when I'm super anxious. And I'll reference a few other episodes uh, about that as well, where I go into that a little bit more, but it got to the point in the last couple months of that relationship that I could no longer relax my stomach. And it was the first time that had ever happened. Usually if I at least was paying attention to my stomach, I would kind of take a deep breath and just force myself to release a little bit just to calm myself. And I would lie in bed at night in those last couple of months and I, I realized that I could no longer do that. My stomach was just permanently in knots all the time all the time. And I knew it was anxious and, and I knew that some of it definitely had to do with the relationship, but I, I wasn't understanding the magnitude of it and how heavy it was. Additionally, as soon as I ended the relationship, my periods regulated. <laughs> For the first time in my adult life off birth control pills, my periods regulated almost instantly. And 
as women, our hormones are so closely connected. We have much more sensitive hormones than, than males do. And our hormones are especially very closely connected with stress. And again, it was the, the stress of that relationship and all of the things I was ignoring that my body was, was recognizing and I wasn't because I didn't want to see them. It was causing me enormous physical and mental distress. And I, I just wasn't recognizing it for what it was. This episode is sort of especially close to my heart because I, I feel as though with my background in psychology and holistic nutrition, which examines the body as a whole, uh, not separate parts or, you know, like two separate entities, I sort of have a bit of a special sense as to the connection between the mind and body. And we're very connected beings. And what, what goes on in one area of the body affects another as well as the mind. We're so interconnected. And a lot of times Western medicine will treat us as one or the other. You know, you, you go to a mental health professional for the mind, and then you go to a, like a GP uh, for everything else. And there's, it's missing that link between the two, and they are very closely connected. This involves everything from our thoughts, our beliefs, the way we, we think about and show up in the world. I recently actually mildly sprained my ankle uh, here in Bali in the ocean. It's not a good story. All it was was a, <laughs> a giant wave knocked me over in the ocean. And when I landed on the ocean floor, I just twisted my ankle mildly. But it's fine. It's, yeah, not a big deal. <laughs> but the first thing I did was I went straight to my girl, Christina Montalvo, for advice. Uh, if you don't yet know who Christina is, then you need to listen to some more episodes of this podcast because she and I team up at the end of every month to do a joint episode on both of our podcasts. Uh, she is the host and founder of The Confidence Project, which is fantastic. I highly recommend it. Um, I went straight to her because she is just an absolute wealth of information in all things related to the body. And I asked her how to handle it. And the very first thing she talked to me about, the very first, was not, you know, rest it, ice it, elevate it, whatever. The very first thing she said to me was the to, to remember the psychological connection and to not identify as an injured person. And I'd already kind of been thinking that because, again, I have enough of a knowledge about the mind-body connection myself that I, I sort of recognize that already. But her, the fact that, that she brought that up first was so powerful for me. I was like, yes, like this is the piece that we often forget. You have to let yourself know like everything is fine. Everything is fine because if we start to, to freak out and panic, which I often can, especially about ankle injuries because <laughs> I've had multiple ankle injuries on both ankles, so I start to freak out whenever anything comes up with them. Um, you know, there's things like that, that we can use to work through that, like meditation, breath work. Uh, I've actually heard of, of like some manifestation type practices that have worked really well for people, even with things like getting sick with the flu and, and feeling it come on and then putting some of these practices into place to work through it. Our brain power is so underestimated and often very misunderstood, very misunderstood. I found this quote, um, and it's by Dr. James Gordon, and he's the founder of the Center of Mind-Body Medicines, or Cent Center for Mind-Body Medicine. I'll make sure to reference all this in the show notes. And he says, the brain and peripheral nervous system, the endocrine and immune systems, and indeed all the organs of our body and all of the emotional responses we have share a common chemical language and are constantly communicating with one another. If that doesn't fully, end quote, sorry. <laughs> if that doesn't fully underscore the close-knit relationship between the mind and the body, I don't know what does. 
Like he's talking about everything there, our, our nervous system, our immune system, our organs, everything is connected to the thoughts and the beliefs and, and everything that we hold and our minds. That's so powerful. And we experience emotions directly in the body. So think about something like anxiety. Think about that causing your chest to tighten or joy when you see your significant other giving your stomach a little flip. Our bodies are talking to us constantly. And this, a lot of this has, <clears throat> has very much been proven scientifically as well. This is not like a woo-woo thing. This has been shown time and time again in multiple studies. One of the, the many things is something like a lack of social support means that you're typically more likely to have cardiovascular disease and other health problems. Another one is decreasing symptoms of depression can improve survival rates from cancer, which demonstrates an incredibly powerful connection between the mind and the body. The thing is, is that we also tend to demonize stress. And I did an entire podcast episode about this. There's also um, a, a fantastic book uh, by Kelly McGonigal, Dr. Kelly McGonigal. I love all of her work. And uh, again, I will reference it in the show notes. Stress can actually be incredible for us. And it's often about how we think about stress. I mean, let's, let's think of it this way. If you're trying to build muscle, how you build muscle is by stressing the muscles right? You, you go to the gym, you lift some heavy weights, and then you stress those muscles, you allow them to recover, and then you go back in after a recovery day or whatever, and you stress them some more. And when you do that over and over and over again over time, you're going to build muscle. It's like resilience as well. If you continue to go through all kinds of shit hitting the fan, and you work through it, you don't bypass it, you don't go around it, you don't try to avoid it, you work through it, you are going to build resilience and strength, emotional strength as well. That said, none of us are meant to live in massively stressful, overwhelmed states for long periods of time either, like long extended periods of stress that can actually be very damaging. But a lot of, a lot of what we think we know about stress is kind of inaccurate because we just think of stress as being really terrible for us. And what, what this book um, that uh, Dr. McKelly McGonigal goes through is that it's often how we think about stress that plays the biggest role. And if we think that stress is terrible for us and that it's so bad for us, then it will be terrible and really bad for us. But if we look at stress as an opportunity, like an opportunity for growth or something like that, it changes the chemical reaction that we can have in the body to stress so that it actually ends up working for us rather than against us. And it can have a really positive impact as well. The other thing is when, when it comes to talking about very overwhelming, like long extended periods of time of stress, you'll often hear people talk about a highly stressful time in their life and that they finally got sick or even potentially diagnosed with a disease. And looking back on it, they usually say that they're not surprised it happened that way because they were under so much stress. We often allow emotions to build up. And usually, those are the ones that tend to have a more negative impact on us. So to me, I don't, I don't like to speak about emotions in like positive or negative terms, because we have a lot of, of that tied to certain emotions. You know, if we talk about fear and anxiety and stress and anger or rage, we, we tend to think of all of those things in really negative ways. But the thing is, is that all of those emotions are part of the human experience. They're normal. 
they're, they're expected. And, you know, if you go through a situation that should make you angry and you don't get angry, that's actually worrisome because then that's probably going to manifest in other ways that is not very healthy for you. Something like anger, that can be incredibly healthy if you're expressing it in a healthy way. So, but we allow some of those emotions to build up. And if we don't fully express them or deal with them, that's when they start to have a negative impact on us. So it's really important to find ways to communicate that with others, to express what's happening in your life to someone close to you or to a mental health professional in talk therapy or even just in a journal in writing it down. Paying attention to biofeedback. This is really important as well. For example, when I used to work with nutrition clients, um, again, if you're new to the podcast, I I don't uh, work with nutrition clients anymore, but when I used to do that, we would look at all kinds of things like uh, really significant cravings. I worked with all kinds of women who had a ton of cravings and they just felt like they could never overcome them, that they would end up, end up binge eating a lot of times on foods that didn't make them feel very good and all of that type of stuff. And most times I would just encourage people to indulge in whatever craving they're having, but to also look at why that craving was coming up and to look at things like sleep uh, over or under working out. Uh, the stress, hormonal influences, not consuming enough protein or drinking enough water. Those cravings were typically examples of just one type of biofeedback that the body was giving because there was such a connection between the mind and the body. And the biofeedback that I was not paying attention to, that I was getting, my body was giving me and I wasn't paying attention to, were my anxiety and my irregular periods when I was in that relationship. And I was just brushing them off thinking that, you know, it must be one thing or another. And, and I, I knew that I was under some stress in the relationship, but not, I, I never fully comprehended the degree to which the stress was causing me because I wasn't seeing the signs that they were adding up to, like of actual infidelity and that the, the relationship was not what I had thought that it was. And again, women in particular tend to be not only much more sensitive to various stressors, but we also tend to be extremely finely tuned to pick up on small hits of intuition more so than men. That's why often in in relationships, assuming that we're talking about uh, heterosexual relationships in this particular case, women, we often will sense if there's the tiniest little thing off and the men might think everything is totally fine. And the women often, we are often the ones who can just sense that there's some tiny little thing that has changed or switched or moved or something that has shifted somehow. And oftentimes the men don't notice it. I'm not saying that that's all all the time by any means. This is not a generalization. Just overall, this is what can sometimes happen. And I'm not sure if that's something biological or even evolutionary from being you know, primary caregivers in the past uh, and tuning into babies' needs or children's needs, or if it's because we're simply more likely to pay attention to our bodies. Um, maybe that we have more sensitive hormones and, and more likely to express our emotions within so- social circles as well. And periods, your menstrual cycle is particularly very sensitive to stress. Most women know this, that if you're having a really stressful month or a really stressful couple of months, you can end up missing periods. You can end up uh, with irregular periods, spotting. Um, you can have really terrible PMS symptoms. There can be so many things associated with this that men simply don't have that particular type of biofeedback that is that obvious. Like We're actually really fortunate as women that we have that kind of biofeedback that 
is pretty difficult to sidestep. Like we, we can't really get around that. <laughs> it's, it's our bodies giving us very clear signs every single month as to what's going on. And men don't even have that type of response to look at. They have to be able to tune into other types of biofeedback. And we have other types as well that we definitely need to be looking at as well, but our menstrual cycles can actually be a really important part of this. Something else is to, to look at your relationships. This is a really important one. How do certain people make you feel? And what I mean by that is you, you're going to have to dig a little bit deep on this one because when someone in your life comes around, start to pay attention. Do you get a pit in the bottom of your stomach or your stomach clenches? Does your jaw or your fist clench? Does your throat feel tight? Do you get a headache? Do you get butterflies in your stomach? Do they make you smile without even trying? Do you feel light or heavy when they're around? Like, which one is it? When you complete the interaction with them, how's your energy? Do you have great energy when, when you walk away from them? Or do you feel drained and your energy is really low? And how's your energy compared to before you interacted with them? So if you had really high energy before you had that interaction, and now it's super low, that's going to make it even more obvious, the discrepancy between that. And there's something about that person that maybe isn't working very well for you. And that doesn't mean, you know, like cut somebody out of your life or something. Maybe you just need to have better boundaries or have a, an honest conversation with them about something that might be bothering you, something like that. There's so many different ways that, that we can look at this. But the most important part is actually just tuning in to how someone makes you feel. And noticing how your body is talking to you about how you feel about them. It's, you, you can love someone and they still might not be great for you. And that's a really important distinction and that's a hard distinction. It's a very hard distinction because you, we, we want the people that we love to be the right fit for us. Because you can't help who you love. But that isn't always going to be the best, the best thing for you. And one of the ways to figure that out is to start listening to this intuition, to listen to your gut instinct. That's why you hear people say so often, you know, listen to your gut. There's a reason why that's a saying, because so many of us end up ignoring our gut instinct all the time. And then we end up in these situations and, and we'll say to ourselves, I knew it. Like I knew that there was something off, but I couldn't put my finger on it. And your body knows, your body knows far more than you give it credit for, far more than any of us give our bodies credit for. Something else to consider as well with an interaction with other people, do you feel angry or resentful? And you might not even be sure why you feel angry and resentful, but that's just how you feel. These are often signs of boundaries being crossed. Boundaries that you may not even realize you had or needed to have in place until they've already been crossed too. So those types of emotions coming up, you need to really examine the reasons as to where that's stemming from. And that's going to give you some really clear answers as to what's going on more internally. Some ways to tune in here. I've got six different ways for you to tune in. Number one is to set boundaries and stick to them. Notice how they make you feel. So let's say that you often have very low energy after interacting with a particular person in your life. Maybe you need to set some parameters around how you spend time with that person or when you spend time with them. 
maybe you've had a super long day at work and a friend reaches out and they, they really need your help. They're having an issue with something, but you are so drained yourself that you, first of all, probably aren't in the mood. Even if you do want to help them, you just aren't really in the mood for it. And you can't even really offer them enough of yourself to be able to give them great advice or to really truly listen and, and be there for them. Then maybe that's a boundary that you need to put in place and say, listen, I love you. I care about you. I want to hear about this and to be able to help you through it. I've had a super tough day and I don't feel like I can fully show up for you right now, but can we regroup tomorrow? After I've had a great night's sleep and I can kind of get myself back on track and then we can, uh, we can chat. If you're honest with people and they're the right people to be in your life, they will understand that. They will absolutely understand that. So that's just one example of, of boundaries, but you have to enforce the boundaries. I, I continuously say this regularly on the podcast that if you set boundaries and you don't enforce them, then they were just suggestions. They were never boundaries to begin with. So if you're going to set boundaries, and you should, every healthy relationship needs boundaries, then you need to actually stick to them. Number two on ways to tune in is to create space and stillness. So for example, spending all your time scrolling Instagram is not helping you, <laughs> is not helping you tune, tune into your intuition whatsoever. You need to take time to be still, to be still, to allow the magic in. Uh, there's so many um, episodes I'm going to reference to, to go along with this one. One of them is with Lisa Carpenter, and we had a really great uh, discussion about how the, the stillness and the space, creating that space is where the magic happens. And it couldn't be more true, but we live in such a, a busy world and we're on all the time and there's screens everywhere and there's people trying to reach us and connect with us and emails coming in and Instagram notifications and, and social media and all of these things, you know, the, the news feed is running all the time. We have to make space or we're never going to be able to hear what our bodies are trying to tell us. We live in a very noisy world. And if you're ever going to create the space, you're going to have to be intentional about creating it. It's not just going to randomly happen to you one day. And it's a practice as well. So that's something that you need to do on an ongoing basis. You can't just all of a sudden one day turn off your screens for the day and say, well, guess I should be uh, pretty, pretty damn good at tuning into my intuition by the end of the day. Like we know that that isn't going to happen, right? It has to be a regular practice to get the maximum benefit out of it and to be able to really start to learn about yourself, to figure out what your body is saying to you that you might otherwise miss because the signs are subtle until they're not. The signs are subtle until all of a sudden they've turned into a full-blown sickness or disease or, uh, you know, massive anxiety or something like that. And then your body's screaming at you. I would rather that you were able to catch things a little bit earlier on. And this is still practice for me as well, by the way. This is, this is something I've worked very hard at in the last uh, few months in particular to get better at. And I am definitely noticing a difference, but it's going to be an ongoing lifelong practice. That doesn't just end one day. This is a constant thing because there's always going to be new things coming up in life that we have to learn to create space from and distance ourselves from a little bit, just enough to allow ourselves to tune in, to check in with ourselves and what's going on. This leads into number three, which is to pay attention as well. So you can create all the space and stillness in the world if you want, but if, if you aren't actually then doing the work to pay attention to how you're feeling, how certain people are making you feel, um, you know, what interactions with people are doing to you and for you, you're not going to get very far. 
So it's the act of actually paying attention in that space that's going to make the biggest difference. Number four is to notice feelings that come up. Again, these are all very interconnected, but I think it's really important to differentiate between them. Notice, again, like what we were talking about before, notice how certain people make you feel. Notice your energy around them. Notice how your energy changes or shifts. Everyone has an energy. And you can tell when people have a really positive, beautiful vibe, you can feel that. You can, you can sense that as it walks into a room. But if people are kind of negative and gloomy and like not great, they can have a smile pasted on their face and it won't matter. You can still sense that. You can still sense that, that darkness about a person. And it doesn't mean, you know, maybe they're just having an off day. It, that doesn't necessarily mean that, that they're like that overall as a person. And again, I'm not saying like cut somebody out of your life for that. It just means that you just need to be aware of it and paying attention to it and noticing the feelings that come up with that. And, you know, if somebody is, uh, in, in my case, I was being told stories that were not necessarily true and I didn't feel great about them. And I was noticing some of those feelings come up, those insecurities and, and not feeling good about those types of stories. But then I was just ignoring them and, and pushing them away and going, no, no, it's fine. Like, it's just me. It's just me. It's just me. This is my problem to deal with. And I was taking that on too much. So when we notice the feelings that come up, those feelings are coming up for a reason. So pay attention to them. Number five, this one is very important. Tuning into your intuition has a lot to do with developing resilience. And there's various ways to develop resilience. One of them is through social support. Um, putting those, those support systems into place, whether again, whether it's with uh, like actual mental health professionals or with friends or family, loved ones, people that you can open up to and talk about in a really safe space, uh, coping strategies. And that's going to look different for everyone, but coming up with ways to have a positive view of yourself as well. People who are more resilient are better equipped, are better equipped to deal with stress, but you can, you can build your resilience. It's like building muscle. Again, it's, it's something that happens over time. We aren't just born instantaneously resilient beings. Resilience comes from moving through stressful situations, moving through those shit days and getting through them and, and ending up in a better place on the other side. That's where resilience comes from. And the more resilient you can be, the more emotionally healthy you will end up being as well. And in terms of coping strategies, like that can look so different for everyone, but I do think that social support plays a really big role here. Um, they can also just be things like basic ways of taking care of yourself, you know, it, it, because that can be tough on, on really hard days. Things like nutrition, hydration, um, movement, workouts, all of those types of things, those can all be types of coping strategies as long as you're not using those types of things to avoid working through the issue. They need to be in addition to, and then they will better support your body to allow you to work through those issues as well. But resilience is so, so important. And number six about how to tune in more to your intuition and, and uh, your gut instinct is some relaxation strategies as well. And this is going to, this can often be used in conjunction with sort of like that creating space and stillness that we talked about before as well. But things like meditation, yoga, um, some people can even feel as though a weight training session is sort of a moving meditation for them personally too. So, or going for a walk in nature, if you have a particular trail where you just can totally tune out and then tune, tune out to everything else and tune into your thoughts, 
that can also be fantastic. And uh, being in nature is just the best thing that we can do for ourselves. It's incredible for stress relief. So various types of relaxation strategies, whatever that's going to look like for you. It could be like taking a bath. It's not really my thing, but for, for lots of people, they like just, you know, hopping in the tub or something with a cup of tea. That's great. That's perfect. And if that allows you to tune in to what's going on for you, then that's going to be amazing. That's going to be a fantastic practice. I have so many suggestions here for previous podcast episodes that would go very well with this episode um, in conjunction with. I don't normally have this many referenced, um, but this this is a big topic and I've touched on it a lot in various episodes that I think would be really, really powerful for you. Um, first and foremost, episode 117, The Nine-Year Affair, Lessons in Infidelity. It's all about the, the nine-year affair that was going on in my previous relationship. And it will explain a lot as to the things that I'm talking about in this episode and why it kind of triggered me to do this episode in the first place. Uh, Episode number 72, uh, Somatic Therapy and How Trauma Shows Up in the Body with Ailey Jolie. Super powerful episode. Uh, This episode has been very popular. Ailey's fantastic. She has this really beautiful way of breaking down complicated neuroscience into a way that's very simple to understand. And she's just an absolute wealth of knowledge. Uh, So I highly recommend that one as well. Episode 62 with Dr. Jolene Brighton, all about post-birth control syndrome, fertility, and PCOS. She is a world-renowned expert. Uh, Dr. Jolene is just amazing. She's bubbly. She's brilliant. She is just incredible as a teacher and to learn from, and that was a really, really fantastic episode too. Uh, Episode 17 with Dr. Jade Tita, all about resting for success and how to manage the metabolism. He talks to us so much about the various ways of stress relief and tuning into the body and figuring out how to balance um, our metabolism, which is incredibly sensitive, often very much related to things like gut instinct and and intuition in some ways, and uh, the biofeedback that the body is giving us on a regular basis. Episode 86, why stress is good for you, what no one tells you about why stress is actually good for us. Really, really helpful. Um, I end up pulling a lot of that episode from the book that I mentioned as well by Dr. Kelly McGonigal, which will also be referenced. Uh, Episode 108, boundaries. How to set boundaries, which is the key to healthy relationships. That episode has been extremely popular and was very, very highly requested. Um, So I talk a lot about boundaries in there as well. And again, boundaries are really crucial when we're learning to tune into our intuition and gut instinct more because those boundaries are going to protect us and they're going to help us, and they're going to support us. And most of us struggle with boundaries in one way or another. So that's a really important one. And episode 93, choosing your family and establishing healthy boundaries. Again, another conversation about boundaries, but a lot of times people will have issues with family members. And that can seem a lot tougher because it's it, we, we don't want to just like cut family out of our lives. So that opens up a different type of conversation about boundaries. And I talk about some of the issues that I've had in my own family and the decisions that I've made that were right for me personally to limit contact with certain family members and how that can actually be really beautiful because then it opens you up to be able to choose your own family. And being blood related does not mean that you're family. You can, you get to choose your family. You have that power. You have that choice. So I go into that a lot in that episode as well. And another book suggestion other than uh, Dr. Kelly McGonigal would also be The Body Keeps Score. 
I will reference both of those books in the show notes. They were both really, really powerful and I think would just make such an incredible difference to you to learn more about your intuition and tuning in and figuring out this whole gut instinct situation that we all need to get better at and that we all need to put into practice all the time. So I hope this has been helpful. Um, I, I really enjoyed putting this one together. I just find this whole topic so fascinating and I can't wait to get your thoughts. Uh, don't forget that there are new episodes every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. So make sure to hit subscribe and you will never miss an episode. Everything will go straight to your phone. You won't even have to worry about looking for it. Thank you so much for being here. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Room to Grow podcast today. I'm so incredibly grateful that you took the time because it means the absolute world to me. For any references in the episode and all show notes, be sure to jump over to roomtogrowpodcast.com. And if this episode touched your heart, it would mean so much if you would take a quick second to hit subscribe, write a review, and share on social media or with someone who really needs to hear today's message. It makes such a difference to keep this podcast going so that I can continue to bring you amazing content and absolutely incredible guests. Be sure to tag me over on Instagram at Emily Goff Coach so that I can thank you in real time for listening and connect with you. We're back every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday with brand new episodes, and I am looking forward to growing with you.